0: I'm going to be kind of bummed when we. Well, I, I don't know if that's fair. We're getting Tommy Angelo is going right. to be writing new harmonica bumper music. Yeah, I for mean, come us on, here. that's going to be
1: awesome. It's gonna I, be, I know, mean, yeah, I'll miss the song. We can throw it in every once in a while, but
0: that's true. That's a good point. It'll it'll never be gone forever. In case you haven't guessed, folks, that music for now means that it is the Rec Poker Podcast Forums edition, and I am your host, Jim Reed. I'm very excited to be here. Um, I'd like to thank our uh, sponsors, Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, and Website Amp. Uh, and if you want to know more about me, I'm a member of the Wrecking Crew, just like some of these wizards here. So you can go to wreck.poker/jim and find out all about me and where to reach me. Uh, and since I've got the best job in the world, every week I get to sit around with a bunch of cool cats like this and talk poker strategy. Cool cats, why don't you tell the world where
2: they can reach you?
1: Yeah, I'm Chris Jones. I'm 5x5 on PokerStars, and I'm
2: 5b5 on Twitter. I'm John Somsky, and I am PokerGeekMN Everywhere. I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Radman 50 Everywhere.
3: So just like every week, we're all sitting
0: around on eight at 8 p.m. Central uh, on a Monday night. We're playing in the nightly home game with play money on PokerStars, stealing each other's trips, trying to get one of these snazzy uh, bronze pins up there. And just like every week, we are going to take a forum post from Rec.Poker and talk about it here amongst the group. And I'll just remind everyone that uh, while premium members are welcome to join our podcast and bring a forum post that they put in and talk about it on the air with us, you don't need to be a premium member to post in the forums. It's completely free. Come to rec.poker, get a free community account. All it takes is an email and a smile, and you can get yourself uh, get some questions answered by the panel of wizards here. So this week, we're looking at a post from our very own 5x5 himself, Chris Jones, Who was cruising along in an America's card room tournament. So Chris, uh, take us through the post. What made it uh, look like an interesting spot to you?
1: Well, I was doing a review of this tournament. Um, So um, I I often try to review things, either uh, tournaments that went well or didn't go well, and I was reviewing them. And so um, we are just uh, in the money here, and I am fourth overall in chips. I've got 98 big blinds. And this is the hand that uh, started a precipitous downfall into the abyss of nothingness. And I didn't cash for very much. (laughs) And I was trying to break it down and figure out, uh, you know, some of the mistakes I made. uh, But this was the beginning of the fall. Um, And um, I'm kind of curious about this spot. And um, so I just thought I'd bring it. So anyway... Uh, we are fourth overall in chips. We've got 98 big blinds. We are in the big blind. Um, and, uh, the player to my left has been very active, very, I've got a, over 200 hands on them and they've got a 31 V pip. They've three bet, uh, like 13 or 14% of the, uh, hand. So they're just, they're very active. I've seen, I've seen showdowns, uh, from some of their under the gun opens where they had seven, six off suit. So they're, they're, they're opening really widely. Uh, so I feel fairly comfortable defending widely. I'm not, uh, so anyway, they open from under the gun folds around to me in the big blind. And I have nine, six of hearts and I elect to defend. Uh, and they, uh, they are doing this from a stack uh, that's pretty decent. It's probably like a. Um, I'm looking at it now. It's like a 47, 48 big blind stack. Um, so uh, we've got them, you know, double in chips, um, and um, and we've got nine six of hearts. So we call, uh, and the flop comes. Or sh- any any questions there or thoughts there before I?
0: Is it? It's a min raise from
1: early position. It positions? is a. That is a good question. I looks like a min raise. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's a min raise.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm. I I don't know if it's right or wrong. I'm I'm calling nine six suited there, uh, closing the action. You know, good odds. It's a hand that you're going to be able to, you know, you're going to know where you are with it a lot of the time, even though it's out of position. Um, doesn't
3: feel like a good spot I, I, for yeah. a three bet. So yeah. Yeah, I think that's a pretty standard big blind defend with a nine, six suited, you know, as long as it's suited, you have that extra equity. So I think this is a standard defense here.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, there are some players who I would fold this against uh, some under the guns who are a little more snug. Um, You know, I just feel like it's a hand you can get a little into some trouble with uh, against an under the gun open, but this player, I felt very comfortable doing this with. Uh, but it does lead to some trouble. So <laughs> um, the flop comes uh, three of spades, six of diamonds, eight of clubs. So we get a rainbow flop and we hit middle pair. Um, we check. I'm probably checking my, although this is a, this is an interesting uh, kind of flop to consider hmm. a potential lead here. But I, um, I am, uh, I, I still haven't incorporated that into my game because I haven't quite figured it out yet, but um you know, I think this is the exact kind of flop that some players would consider, you know, potentially a big blind lead here. But uh, I do check, and uh, the player bets out about a third pot. Um, and with middle pair, I think it's pretty uncontroversial. I just call. Um, the rest, I think this hand gets more interesting as we get into later streets, but if anyone wants to talk about the flop, we can.
0: I think it's one of those spots where you've actually got enough equity to call. Um, yeah. Is it- it's the kind of board I wouldn't mind doing some check raising on with other parts of my range, but, um, as, as it is, I think we're, we're okay to just make a call here
3: and see what happens. I was wondering about that. Is that, is, is, is it possible to check race? I mean, with middle pair, because what you're targeting now is you want to blow the guy off of his overcards, right? Yep. Yep. If he's got ace, king, ace, queen, ace, jack type hand, um, you're dead to any card over, a on nine right yep. so yep. you're gonna get very it's gonna get very scary so maybe it's an opportunity here to uh throw that
1: yeah it's an interesting thought out there and especially because you know sometimes the the check raise uh because this board is heartless um hmm. it's sort of interesting it's an interesting thing because i think if we if we get blown off of it uh we're not that upset right. i mean we've got some equity right. with the middle pair but, um, I would be, you know, if this, if we had six, nine of spades or whatever, I'd be less, I I'd right. sort of less want to get blown off my equity. Um, yeah.
3: and it's, this just smashes our range compared to his range, right? Yeah. That's the, this is what you, this is what you're looking for as a big blind defense. Yep. This is a type of flop that you should be able to take advantage of.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe that's a, that's an interesting thing to um, to consider um, to consider some some kinds of uh, check raises in these spots, especially on these sort of advantage boards.
0: And I'd um, be more inclined to do it against someone in later position who had more hands they can fold in that range. Like part of the problem is that that under the gun position is just tight enough that a lot of it's going to be pairs and. Um, you know, I mean, I still have a lot of unpaired overcards that we'd like to get to fold there, but uh, I feel like it's uh, it's a better candidate against a, mm-hmm. a late position open.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We do get a like, comment here in the chat.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's like asking about CBET. I mean, this player has followed through with those sort of aggressive pre-flop. Um, I don't know the exact numbers because I don't have them in front of me, but I remember that they were somebody who uh, were, were quite frequently double, triple barreling Um to a degree or to a a level where they they couldn't always have it. Um, (laughs) And sometimes getting, getting caught with it. Uh, The time I saw him with the seven, six offsuit was, they didn't flop a straight or whatever. They, they were just uh, bluffing with seven high. Um, So they're, they're, they're a very capable player where our six um, is, I think, likely good right now. Um, Although, We'll, we'll see if I'm right, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) it may turn out that I'm not, but um, at least I'm capable of being very good here in in a lot of spots. So, um, so with that, uh, the, the turn, and I agree, Rob, with your assessment, like basically any Broadway card here is really scary. uh, Even with our six. uh, And so it's, 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 when I see the turn, I'm actually, I'm, I'm pretty grateful for it, which is the eight of spades. So we now have a board of three of spades, six of diamonds, eight of clubs, eight of spades. And I've, I feel like that's one of the best cards we could have possibly hit. Really? Um, you know, obviously we could get some straightening cards or another six, but um, I'm not putting this player on a ton of eights, but I will maybe find out that I'm wrong. Um <laughs> But, um, I, I feel like this is a good card for my range as well. Um, and it, I, it's so much so that I considered a lead here. Um, but given the aggressive nature of this player, um, I felt like my best approach was to continue uh, a check call line. Um, so I elected to check and, uh, this player, uh, bet, um, Kim will like this uh, hit the half pot button. um, And uh, cause it is like literally 50% of the pot. um, And um, I elect to call.
0: So first of all, I think this calls for that. uh, Was that hashtag and not pet vet approved if we're going to start seeing half pot bets here. So obviously this player has revealed themselves to be some sort of donkey fish with the half pot bet. And we can (laughs) just uh, proceed with that knowledge in mind. Um, it's, it's it's such a good card for our flop. I wonder, is is this a spot where you consider a check raise? Because like, uh, I remember when we were doing the commentary for your uh, heads-up play, uh, Chris, um, Ryan LaPlante was talking about leading a lot more on turns and, mm-hmm. and rivers and how people aren't check raising enough on later streets. And um, I wonder when... When you're in this position now, so you're, you're check, you're looking at the turn bet, and uh, the, when you call, are you are you ex- are you planning to call a river with a pair of sixes? Like, is is your pair of sixes a value call um, on the river? Because if it is, then I think you've nailed it, and it's exactly the right thing. Let's let them keep bluffing into you too wide. Um, but if you feel like you might have to shut down on the river and he's going to bet anyway because he's aggressive, I don't know. I mean, that paired eight really has to be frightening to him. Mm-hmm. Well, to most. Normal under the gun ranges. Mo- I feel most like most of his aid- holdings. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Most of his holdings, right? But obviously, uh, given the fact that he could have seven six, he can have he can have a lot of eights, but he yeah, also he can true. have a lot of non eights, right? I like, think like that's one of the things about people who have really wide ranges is people are like, oh god, they could have anything, but that's right, right. they could have anything that's garbage as well. Yes. Um And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I so literally, I did have this very like I thought for a while about leading, but I didn't. But I never had the thought about check raising this turn, and maybe that's another spot where um, I I could give some thought to uh, this spot. Uh, if I'm not gonna, if I don't check raise the flop, maybe this is a spot that could be a check raise um, spot. Because uh, you know, I, we'll find out if he has an eight pretty quickly if we if we do that.
0: Yeah, and I'm not even sure. I think it's a good play like i I, but but it's a spot where i I find like we're not often enough finding spots like this where we can turn a marginal hand into a bluff i mean we we just don't do it um Mm -hmm. so yeah i don't know i I like this uh, point from kim too that says it might even be a fold versus early position when they bet this card which is great for you and i think that's one thing that we got to figure out is are we (laughs) playing range versus range are we playing card versus range is our opponent Playing their cards versus our range, right? Like this is where it gets hard to get level. So,
1: so I agree with. I think that's a great comment, and I think against. I, I think Kim's exactly right against sort of an uh, an unknown opponent. But I really feel like this player and part. Maybe I'm I'm sort of like I'm talking myself into sort of bad play by by a value. But this player, I think, was not very positionally aware, not very stack aware and uh, seem to just value aggression at all costs uh, without any kind of sense of the way you should sort of play some of these spots. So it, it, it was it was very much a player-dependent uh, line I was taking here. Um, like I said, I, I, I would fold this hand preflop in a lot of cases, mm. um, and I would certainly... Uh, to to people's double barrels in this spot um, against an under the gun range that wasn't a pretty wild player. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm rarely continuing probably with this hand, but I felt I felt pretty good in my read. Although I will say it might turn out to be wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's one thing that we do have to be conscious of is um i think it was andrew brokus uh who said like when they give an inch you take a mile when they move an inch you move a mile uh when it comes to tendencies of our opponents and uh i guess w- w- i always take that to mean if he if you if you think your opponent is over bluffing in that spot um you don't you don't call just a little bit more um in this like you actually have to you, you just call because you, in the long run, this player is over bluffing, and uh, so I think the only way you can exploit that is by exploiting it—the <laughs> range, right? Not the not the cards. So, um, and so, and you've been very consistent about that this whole time. You've been very consistent about saying this is a spewy player. I want to be in a position where they're betting their card, their their bluffs into me. So.
1: And I, I, will say, I mean, my thought was, okay, let's get to a river. We'll evaluate. Uh, I feel like I'm good right now, but there's a lot of, um, you know, bad cards for my range. Um, and there's a lot of spots where, uh, I'm, I might be, you know, if they triple, uh, on a bad card, I'm probably going to be giving up. Um, and so, you know, if it's obviously if a six comes, I'm feeling pretty good, um, then. The card that does come, I think, is the one that is is a pretty confusing one, and I think that's where we're going to have to do some uh, evaluation. Um, but I'm also just seeing in the chat here. Uh, what do you think uh, about a, a pre-flop raise? And that's, and that's, and that's awesome. from
0: that's from Roger Shoot, the first ever silver pin winner at wow. Poker. Well, so I mean, we've got we've got greatness I mean, it, in the he, chat tonight.
1: Must must know better than me. Um, and I, honestly, uh, it's another really great question because I never considered it. Um, um, I kind of wanted to get... Uh, well, one of the reasons I didn't, but but it's not necessarily a reason not to do it. Uh, I felt like this player was also going to over-bluff-raise uh, me back. Um, and... Um, I don't know. So I, you know, I, I, I it was basically, I want to, I want to play pots with this player and I want to uh give my chance to see my nine, six and see a flop. But it, I mean, it could be, that could be uh, a decent thing. I mean, you know, sometimes you fight aggression with aggression. So
0: it's it's a good it's a good hand for board coverage, you know. Yep. It, uh, it's I mean it's not great. You'd rather be doing it with a hand like six seven or seven eight or uh, something like that. That's going to have more ways to play later. But it does cover a lot of boards. It's not really that good a hand that you're loving the idea of getting it in as a call either. Yeah. So that that usually makes it you know a pretty good candidate for a three bet fold. And uh, I mean I don't like to over three bet into under the gun. Early position ranges but in the free jatten course uh we did talk a lot about how we're just not doing it enough even against those tight under the gun ranges there's still a lot of folds there and um you know it it is kind of one of those it's one of those hands that i don't know if people want to put it in a three betting range all the time it's, it's just not a very good hand but um yeah why not yeah. let's get frisky yeah. I, mean, I mean I
1: mean maybe that is a yeah it's something definitely so I think the interesting thing that we're talking about here that that um is uh, giving me some pause is like there's a lot of questions here about raising basically every street and none of them were really on my radar um so uh it's definitely something I need to be thinking about more for sure
0: um, and I think and and when we play against under the gun chris I think we all getting mm. passive right because yep. we think oh they've got all these big pairs yep and so i think that's a trap for us too
1: yeah i know and i think that i you know under the gun ranges i really do respect and even you know and i'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here because like i don't respect this player's range and that's why i'm calling them it's why i'm calling down here but i also if i you know i'm, I'm sort of still treating them with some respect from because i'm not considering raising them um and m- m- that I think is probably just going halfway with that. And I think probably if I don't respect that, they're not Mm. positionally aware, then maybe I need to be taking more aggressive lines in these kind of spots. But anyway, as played, we get to a river, uh, which comes as the nine of clubs. So we've now, um, hit top pair on this board. It's, uh, the board is three of spades, six of diamonds, eight of clubs, eight of spades, nine of clubs, and we're holding nine, six of hearts um you know i'm now thinking that any any six uh, i now beat you know that the that that, uh, that i was beating me potentially um and so that i mean that's great but i also start to lose to some um some other things with this with this river card um so i check uh and i get uh, another half pot button bet um and this is the spot where I really thought really hard. Um, you know, this is now getting very expensive. Um, my hand improved, but it's not, it's not, it's not really great improvement. Um, I'm beating, basically the only thing that it improved that I'm beating now is other sixes. Um, so, you know, if he's got an, if he's got an eight, if he's got, um, any kind of overpair, um, you know, given that this player had seven, six off suit, this could have also made a straight. So there's, there's, there's a definitely some, you know, we're behind by a lot, but um, I thought really hard and I'm, I'm not sure what to do in this spot uh, once we get here.
2: Yeah. John, did you want to jump in there? Well, I was just going to say, you know, for me when i play this type of player assuming your your read is right that it's overly aggressive i often um go into more of a trapping type of mode so i am and, and this is the perfect trapping type of hand or or bluff catching type of hand you know you don't really have much value that they should be calling you with if you were to bet uh so i think Check calling is the best way to get your value from there. Um, Now, it could be everyone, no matter how bad, loose, whatever of a player, occasionally they're going to hit some cards. And um, the way I tend to look at that is, you know, you're supposed to pay them off. They've earned that. By all of the spewy plays that they have made, they've earned that call from you. Um, not that, you know, if you know your beat, you should still fold, but you, you should be assuming your read is relatively sound, then you should be making enough chips on the plays when they are overextending themselves that you're okay in this particular spot.
0: Why don't we, uh, why don't we take a minute to hear from our friend, Jonathan Little, and then we'll come back and, uh, hear from the chat and put this baby to bed.
3: Have you ever wondered whether you should call a pre-flop raise or 3-bet instead? What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it? Or do you just call? What do you do with ace-king when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes, where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at pokercoaching.com slash recpoker right now.
0: Now, he didn't have anything to say about what happens when the turn pairs. Come on, Jonathan. Yeah.
1: I'm sure he does on, on poker coaching though I'm sure.
0: He'd say to float the turn. That's what yeah, Jonathan little. Uh, is. he
1: does like that, doesn't he? <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> so uh, Kim has a comment in the chat here when we're when we're facing this bet on the river. And I think it's a good a good point here that so let's just kind of range our opponent a little bit through the hand. So they've made that 2x from under the gun, extremely wide range there. They see bet a fairly innocuous board even though it's better for the big blinds range. Um, I think most players are still going to see bet that pretty widely, especially the ones that are aggressive and they tend to be over betting in spots like this. Um, when the eight pairs on the turn, um, we get this comment from Kim here about, uh, when the straight comes in, people are going to check behind with their over pairs. And I think some players are also going to not see bet that paired turn because it's so good for our range unless they have a value hand. Um, So that's, that's that one point here where I feel like, do I respect my opponent enough to think that they like see this board and know that it's not when they're supposed to be turned C betting on? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because if I do, they probably have a value hand. And if I don't, then they just don't understand that this is my board and they're bluffing and I should keep calling them down. Uh, And then on the, on the river, um, what are the hands that they check back? Uh, instead of value betting here. And Kim says like the over pairs would be a good example there because now we've got this uh six, eight, nine um run out. And you've you've got to have something if you're still coming along in the hand. But yeah, I d I don't know. I mean the problem is it's intention with this read you have on this opponent, which is just that they're spazzy, they're gonna be uh punting off a lot. Just yeah and they're want.
1: they're they're just I think they're the kind of player like the, the question is a really good one. What are the bluffs here? And, but this is, a, this is a player I've seen arrive uh, with just air bluffs, you know, those, those kinds of, and I've, I've seen it, I think two or three times go to mm-hmm. showdown and uh, they've, they've been very, fairly aggressive and, you know, it's, it's just, they're air balls and there's no rhyme, but you know, it's not like they got blockers. There's not, there's not like, you know, I mean, I think some of the best, the best bluffs here are, um, yeah, you know, having a seven in your hand would be great. Having, um, even a 10 in your hand would be great. Um, but you know, I, you know, I, I wouldn't put this past this player to just show up with, with queen Jack or something. Mm
3: Mm-hmm
0: hmm so as played uh it sounds like you followed through so, on your plan i did
1: follow through and called uh i ultimately just decided that um i've i've come this far uh my hand improved um you know i can have some better hands that i show up here with but but this is this is at least upward in my my distribution that kind of arrives this way taking a total check call line down the down the line. Uh so I elect to call. Um and uh, they turn over ace eight. Boo.
0: Boo. Trip ace Trip Apes. So,
1: Um that, that stinks. Stinks. But um
0: <laughs> and it was off suit too. Um, it was the ace of diamonds. Sorry, ace of yeah, spades. diamonds which again of diamonds, also so.
1: just suggests, you know, like this player is really. I mean, that even just seeing, even though it's an ace, right? Seeing ace eight offsuit from under the gun in a nine ring table, that's that's in the money. That's a tough table, like, I, you know, that's 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 loose, right? Yep, and so, like, you nice. have the right read, but sometimes <laughs> loose players hit hit big hands too. So,
0: yeah, and I think. Um, and Kim makes a point here that uh, when you call a turn, you have to call a river for the sizing. And I think there's that's that's right. And I think you you the worst thing you can do on a runout like this, because when you think about all the different runouts that could come, right? Uh, if that if the if the river is like a king or an ace or something, and you're still sitting there with a one pair hand, I think it's a different story. But when your plan is to call, call, call on runouts that favor you, the worst thing you can do is call, call, fold, Right. because right. then you just should have folded in the first place. Uh, because all you've done is, yeah, only this, only versus this player type. That's right. Um, so you have to, you kind of have to screw your courage up. You have to screw yourself uh, to the sticking point and yeah. just decide that that's what you're going to do.
1: And I think it's one that I, I, I looked back on, you know, and obviously did kind of. Look, then I, you know, then I hit some hands where it's just unlucky. This one, this one was sort of began the meltdown and then, you know, like other things went wrong, but it wasn't nothing like this. But I think one of the things that I was thinking about is like, uh, when I've got this big of a chip lead, do I need to put myself mm. in this position against a player that's sort of like going to just increase the variance no matter what? Um, do I just... Do I, you know, like some of it is like, well, I, I got to do this against this player type and I've got to play this way. But sometimes, I, you know, part of my question was, do we need to even like, do we need to put mm. ourselves in these kinds of tough spots against a player like this when we're cruising along fourth and chips? And I don't know what the right answer is, because obviously it's nice to take advantage of a spewy player and... You know, get more chips. But um, when you've got that big of a chip lead, maybe maybe we really don't need to even put ourselves in this kind of spot. I don't know. So those are some of the things I've been thinking about as I look back at this hand. But
2: from a pure chip EV point of view, uh, do you think that the way you played it was the way to maximize your equity?
1: I I really like uh, I like what some people have been saying about. The uh, some of these these check raise spots. In fact, I think the the most interesting one to me is the flop uh, check raise because um, I think that that is going to uh, that's going to give us a sense of this player's hand a little bit more. Um, I think when when we've got a player who's shown so much willingness to be aggressive with air that until we put them in a space where they actually have to sort of reveal themselves. They're just going to keep either bluffing or having it and betting. And we're not really learning anything every, you know, like there's a lot of players when, when I see this turn bet on this card where I (laughs) go, Oh my God, (laughs) we're, we're in deep trouble. But with this, this player, I didn't think that (laughs) at all, Mm. um, but it was true. Um, and so I, I I, I think I like that line with the flop, with the flop, a potential flop check raise.
2: The, the reason I was kind of asking is it seems to me um, that it very well may be the case that the way that you played it was the way to maximize your chip EV, but also to maximize your variance. And, you know, given uh, you do want to, in tournaments, decrease your variance to some extent. So so maybe it's not the, the most optimal play. Uh, but I was kind of just wondering if you think This would, if, you know, if you're sitting in the cash game, you can reload. There's no ICM pressure. Is trapping that player or playing passively against that player the best way to make money? Yeah. Yeah. I think in a
1: cash game, I would do this against this type of player in a cash game. I would play this this way
2: for sure. So then you just have to figure out whether or not because it's a tournament you want to decrease your variance and then maybe the check raise way is do it you still let them spew a little bit of money on the pot but you don't let them get lucky later on and you decrease their variance and obviously if they fight back you at that point you have to take a read on them and see whether or not they're capable of just doing that blindly or whether they're more like as long as they're initiating the aggression because that's the way a lot of players are is they're they aren't going to three bit you very often, but they'll raise you quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and the spot, the, the flop spot is really interesting. I think just because it's a real point of tension where I was going to say like, I might be more inclined to check raise like, cause as it is with the six, nine, you've got some draw equity. Still mm-hmm. you've got middle pair. Um, like you have enough equity that you don't really need to add the check raise fold equity to it to continue doesn't make it not a good decision, but um, I wonder with a different hand, like with bottom pair there, if you'd like paired the three, or if if you just felt like you had less, less showdown equity. Um, And I think this is a tension for some recreational players like us too. They're not sure. It's like, well, should I be check raising because I have no chance to win the hand or should I be check raising because I have good equity and maybe I'll improve on a later street. And I think the answer is kind of like, it depends on the opponent that you're trying to, use this tool again some some opponents you want to just give them a chance to fold all their garbage and some of them they're not going to fold as much and you actually need to have some equity on future streets when they when they do proceed so um i don't know it's it's a real interesting tension i'm not sure there's a, there's an obvious answer to that to me here anyway yeah yeah uh cu- a question from roger in the chat uh would you call his open from the button um, and I'm not sure if they mean would you three bet instead or uh, in that spot with six nine.
1: Oh, from the button. If he opened. Oh, if from...
0: you were in the button, I guess is what he's saying. Yeah, Roger, type type in quick. Uh, if you meant who, if who was in the button? Um, is villain's be...
1: in the button, or if if I'm in the button?
0: So the early position 2x and you're in the button. So he says, would you call then or fold
1: or or raise? No, yeah, no I, I don't I mean, the thing that I really liked about the big blind is is I'm up against this player heads up. Uh, I don't like messing around flatting with six nine of hearts with two players left tack behind me. Uh, if I was going to do something with six nine hearts on the button, it would be to three bet for sure.
0: And that's Uh, another great, it's another one of those great tensions in the game, right? Because in the button, you're going to be in position, which is great. And so that's something that you should widen your range there a little bit. But um, in the big blind, uh, you get a better price, even though you're going to be out of bounds or out of of position. Um, But when you're in the button, you don't get to close the action. (laughs) Yeah. so we
1: should call it out of bounds more of that. Out of bounds. That's how it, it should
0: less. be it should be out of bounds you should yeah. be thinking about it as being yeah. out of bounds <laughs> um, and we got uh, a couple of great comments in the forum itself one from uh, Taylor Moss who's saying that uh, it's basically feels like pretty standard call down line so if that's the way you've sized up your opponent I think that's the right way to play it and uh, Chapo says he'd be inclined to call down his played, but might have decided to dance with the villain only when I had position, because everything else I would play tight against these guys because they're so random uh, and aggressive. And he also says, um, he wonders what would have happened here if uh, you'd taken the initiative away at some part in the hand. And yeah, I think, uh, I mean, as when he has the trip eights, that's not going to go very well, but, but against the range, I think that's an, that is an interesting question.
1: Well, we might've, but I think if we check raise on this flop, we still might've, even if we find out, Oh, they actually have something on that flop. I think we might end up losing less. Um, so that's sort of, you know, it's sort of an interesting, um, thing to think about as well.
0: And that's one real key. I think people, people worry about, Oh, well, if I raise, I'm going to lose more chips. And that's, that's really not always the case because often when you call, you end up in positions where you have to call and call again later. Check raise to uh, you know 50% pot, 25% pot is gonna end up being smaller than just calling three streets. A three bet pre-flop is only gonna be seven or eight big blinds. And you can find out right there in a lot of ways. So I, I do, people should be thinking about two bets and, and three bets, um, post-flop and pre-flop as a way to save some chips. Um, mm-hmm. In those spots where you're just going to be guessing and calling in behind, that yep. is assuming you have the
2: ability to fold after you learn that information.
3: Yeah, good point.
2: Obviously, because some of us don't have the ability to fold at all. Well, yeah,
0: <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Tommy says fold free. I would. T- Tommy's never wrong. So if that's what Tommy yeah. says, yeah, uh,
1: indeed. although he is a he is a cash game player but i think actually in a cash game this would make more sense to play than than maybe what we've talked about here so
0: he's a cash game player who's not afraid of folding so yeah for (laughs) sure
1: (laughs) especially out of position right that's yeah that's right right? just fold out of position every time (laughs) all
0: right well this was really good i love these conversations i'd like to thank uh, kim and roger and stewie uh for joining us in the chat and of course, uh, Chris and John and Rob for uh, joining me on the panel here. Website AMP, Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino, and everyone at Rec Poker that uh, makes this so much fun for us
3: every week. See you next time.